Hi, welcome back here to Parable of the Vineyard. This is the show Road to Rescue. And uh, I'm Sean Griffin, accompanied by my incredible co-host. Ken Heidebrecht. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Thank you very much for joining us for another, what we consider to be fascinating episode. Um, of course, it's about the day of the Lord, which is a common theme that Sean and I are trying to remain on in this uh, particular show. But um, it's one of those things, Sean, that uh, you everyone knows about, right? We all know that Yeshua is returning. And I would assume most people know that he's coming with a myriads and myriads and myriads of angels, but we don't really get to see, or at least I should say it's overlooked often in the scriptures, just the, the descriptions and, and the different details that talk about these angels and the different role they play on that day when they come with Yeshua. Yeah. They're, they're not just going to be a showpiece. They all got duties. They're all got things that they're going to be doing that they're assigned to do. Um, and apparently as we're going to read from many scriptures that they've been waiting to do for thousands of years. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, um, they're kind of like dogs, right? Like when you have an owner that has a dog on a leash and he's, they're just raring to go as soon as the, the owner lets them go and they take off. Not that I'm calling our angelic brethren dogs or anything, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know need to do the God's will. Yeah. Just in case the viewer didn't understand, no, we're not we're not bringing railing accusation against celestial beings. We're just simply saying as a metaphor uh, for the application of how these things are being held in reserve now for the day of the Lord. And this is some of the prophecies that we're actually going to go over because this day of the Lord, Ken, as you, I mean, as we've been discussing on many episodes here, this one's just, the day of the Lord's been prophesied since the very beginning. I mean, we're talking like the opening stanzas of Enoch chapter or the first book of Enoch chapter one, right? Yeah, it's literally right there. It's you yeah. open it up and boom, these these celestial beings are right in your face, and um, they're just excited uh, to execute the righteous judgment that they're ordained from the beginning of creation to fulfill at the end of days. So it's amazing. Yeah, they are guys, and and as always, we're uh, we're really grateful and privileged to be uh, doing this broadcast every Sunday night here on the Road to Rescue. Excuse me. It's called the Road Rescue, but we're here on Parable of the Vineyard channel. But um, actually, Ken has his own channel, and so do I. So we have two different YouTube channels that we administer and run as well. We put up videos uh, weekly, and my channel is called Kingdom in Context. And so I don't know if you guys have ever been there. You're welcome to go check it out. Actually, yeah, there it is, Kingdom in Context. And we I do a couple of weekly shows, and I put up periodic videos depending on how time allows. And uh, Ken and I actually do a show together called Honor of Kings on Saturday nights on uh, on my channel. And then if you so, you know, go subscribe there if you guys haven't already. And then Ken, he has his own channel and his is called Hanging on His Words. And Ken, I'll let you go over yours if you like. Yes, it's, uh, as Sean said, called Hanging on His Words. It's a relatively new channel. It's only been around for about three months or so, but um, been putting out some videos. Hope to do about one a week and just talking about different you know things in context in the scriptures and talking about concepts that i think that are often not totally understood properly and i just my desire is to shed light on um some of these things that i think are important to understand as believers and so yeah yeah i think you do great man your videos are great and that's that's kind of what both of our hearts is to really you know just bring bring back just the application of digging in the word and find out letting the word define our terms you know that's what we both strive for in our videos and with what we present is just 
to, to help us not just throw our opinion on stuff. Cause that's how I feel like we, the modern church has gotten itself into so much division in the past 100 years. Now there's other circumstances involved, but I think that there's um, just a lot of, because there was so much confusion going on, there was a lot of personal opinion that people had to try to, they felt like they had to inject to make sense of things. Um, and so as a result, we have a very fractured body of believers all across the world that believe very different things about a book that's always said the same things. Yeah. You know, the yeah, book's I, never changed its words. Those have always been the same. But so how are we having so many people believe so many different things? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a conundrum, brother. It really is. And I think our desire, Sean, is to get back to the contextual understanding that the disciples and the, the apostles um, all understood, right? None of them contradicted each other. All of their written letters all agree with each other. None of them say anything bad against each other. And they all teach proper doctrine, sound doctrine, right? And so yeah. I think our desire is to just get into the mindset of these apostles and then ultimately at the end of the day, emulate um, the walk that they did and Yeshua did, right? It's the same stuff that Yeshua taught to them. So that's yeah, our desire. I think a lot of modern believers forget the idea that the New Testament wasn't an actual thing. It wasn't a comp compilation of books that they could even read. I mean, the guys who are literally writing the, the epistle letters that went into the New Testament, they didn't have those letters. Like Peter wasn't looking up Paul's letters to reference doctrine. He was looking at Genesis through Deuteronomy and the okay. prophets and what they said. You know, same thing for James, who wrote the book of James or the apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, the gospel of John, first, second, third John. They weren't looking up Paul's words. And Paul himself, when he was expressing his words and referencing scriptures in his in his letters, he wasn't he was referring back to the scriptures, you know, that we would call the Old Testament. And um, that was their foundation. So it's only it's it's no wonder that they all had such unity of message because their foundation was the same. And that was what was they were discipled in through Yeshua, our Messiah. Exactly. And that's to be our foundation as well, even though we're 2000 removed years removed from them. So and that's, but it hasn't been right. That's been the problem. It hasn't been what we make our foundation as believers because we come into this faith um, from, you know, John 316 for a lot of people. Then they go right to Romans 10, 9 and 10. And, you know, then they start just like me. Like, I mean, they just start reading bits and pieces of epistle letters in the New Testament, but having no clue of the context of the Old Testament. And therefore, you, people come to all kinds of strange conclusions. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's our objective is to stray away from that um, way yeah. of understanding the scriptures. So, yeah. And I guess for tonight's episode, you know, we want to look at what the um, apostles knew who Yeshua, obviously what he knew about, because he's an integral part of this day of the Lord event where he himself comes down with myriads of the sons of God. And so this is kind of what we want to look at tonight, brothers and sisters, is our angelic brethren and the role they play on the day of the Lord with Yeshua. Yeah. So Ken, little statements like in the news, because you know, we were just talking about people taking things out of context from the New Testament, not having the foundation of the prophets before them. And so uh, two great quick examples of that is if you have Matthew 25, 31, where Yeshua says he's, you know, returns with the angels, right? And this is a, this is a huge moment. And so if you didn't have the old Testament, would you think that he just made something up new? You know, at that you probably moment? would. Yeah. yeah probably you would would think, think oh my goodness, this is a new doctrine, right? But actually, no, that he's just repeating what the prophets have already spoken for a long, long time, even back to Enoch. 
Same thing in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where it talks about the lawless one being destroyed with the brightness of the Messiah's coming. Well, if I didn't have the Old Testament, if I didn't have Isaiah, if I didn't have Enoch, if I didn't have Baruch, if I didn't have these, these, epistle, these apostles, excuse me, these prophets from the Old Testament explaining a wealth of context about that moment being referenced, then I would have no idea that Paul is using this this metaphoric language of the brightness of his coming. Now there will, because Zephaniah tells us the day of the Lord, like we've already, I think we went over this in our very first episode. Day of the Lord is going to be a gloomy day. Lots of cloud covers. The sun and moon are not going to be shining um, where he's about to rip open the firmament and the stars are going to fall down. So there's not a lot of natural light that was created in Genesis one uh, for the earth system to, to have light. So when he returns, when he opens up the firmament and the light of heaven starts shining through, there's a brightness, right? Yeah. And it's Yeshua come down with, with his myriads of angels. That's the brightness of his coming. Now, metaphorically, that's the moment that's going to destroy the lawless one. But practically, there's more to the story. It's not just the light rays shining through that's going to, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like the, the lawless one's a vampire that can't handle gonna, sunlight, right? <laughs> he's going to squint himself to death, yeah. Yeah, like he, that's just the 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 reference, the application of the language to reference at the brightness of Yeshua's coming. Well, in the application of the Yeshua's coming, as we've been fleshing out on multiple shows on the road to rescue, there's a little more details to the story. You know, they have to apprehend the lawless one. They've got to fight all the armies that are gathered against them, you know? And so that's actually a really good point that I wanted to bring up, um, Ken, for the viewer, as we go through these, these scriptures that we're about to read and, and discuss, is, you know, we see in the New Testament in Revelation 16 that the, the, you know, the beast, the false pro or the, the dragon, the, the beast, and the false prophet. They have these these demons that go out of their mouth, these unclean spirits, right. to gather all the nations of the earth for the day of battle, for the day of the battle of Armageddon. So if all of the armies, the kings and all their armies of the earth are being ga gathered to to fight the Messiah when he returns, what have we taught in in modern churches? about how those physical literal armies whether they're in, whether they're on camels with swords or the, whether they're in a sophisticated gps uh navigated tank with lasers and and missiles right no matter yeah. what form of modern warfare they're using or prehistoric or ancient warfare i don't know exactly how that's going to go down but it doesn't matter these are tangible real things these are these are concrete items that are coming to fight and shoot real bullets and swing real metal swords and shoot real, you know, lasers possibly at the Messiah at his return. What's he going to fight him with? The brightness of his coming. Okay. <laughs> well, so, yeah, he has his own weaponry. That's right, and that's yeah. what we're going to actually discuss tonight. Yeah, amen, brother. Such a cool, cool discussion, and I, and I know Sean, you and I are very passionate about this particular um, event that takes place, and it's interesting that you bring Paul up. Um, him mentioning in First Thessalonians just the brightness of his coming because did he not see maybe just a small glimpse of that in Acts chapter nine when he was knocked <laughs> off his horse? Yeah, that's he knows right. how bright Yeshua is, and that was that was excluding all the different things that need to take place on the day of the Lord for him to be super super bright, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, three. He was what blinded three days. Yeah, he had to have someone pray for him to be, get his sight back. And I think that I get blinded when I go out of a movie theater on a bright sunny day, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. All right, brother. Well, I think I'll say a quick word of prayer in there and we can get going if you're good with that. Sounds great. Okay. Father, thank you so much 
for this day. I just thank you that Sean and I can gather here on the Parable of Vineyard with our brothers and sisters watching now and, and later and just discuss the incredible details that are contained in, in your word that's just ever living, Father. We see prophecies coming to fruition and it just proves, Father, that your word is true. And so we just thank you for just um, opening up our hearts, Father, to your understanding and just giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, I just ask that you would continue to keep us humble and always remaining um, willing to be taught and always wanting to search the, the truth of the scriptures in Berean fashion and and to sharpen each other, Father. So I just thank you so much that you've given us this opportunity in these latter days to do this. It's an honor, Father, and I just, I just pray that it blesses your body that's scattered all throughout the earth. And I just pray that as they continue to learn in these days as well, Father, that you would use them to um, to just further your kingdom for, for when it comes, Father. And so I just thank you so much for what you're doing. And all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right. And uh, folks, the first thing that we want to start out with tonight is just uh, the apostle or the prophet Baruch. Right. I know that many people on Parable of the Vineyard are already familiar with Baruch. But just in case you're not, he was in the days of Jeremiah. So right uh, right before the southern kingdom of Judah was taken in exile by the Babylonians, he was a scribe and a prophet. You know, so he was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And uh, Baruch has got a lot to say. I mean, his his epistles are great. So absolutely. All right, Sean, do you want me to um, screen share and, and start reading or do you want to try screen yeah. sharing first and reading? Yeah, let me see if it'll let me this week. <laughs> I know we say that almost yeah. every week, but uh, let me just see. I don't know if it's like a time qualifier where I've got to be. We've got to be on the broadcast for a certain length of time before it lets me. But I don't think it's now it's not going to let me. So I'm going to okay. depend on you again to this week, brother. Not a problem. All right. Second Baruch or the Apocalypse of Baruch, chapter 21, verse 6 says, You that rule with great thought the hosts that stand before you, also the countless holy beings which you did make from the beginning of flame and fire, which stand around your throne, you rule with indignation. Yeah. So, Sean, I think we just wanted to start off with, um, you know, something that would show that when these things were created, obviously, from the beginning as it's spoken about in jubilees chapter 2 verse 1 it actually mentions on day one the uh, the angels of the presence and the holy ones and all the angels and spirits were created on that day and these particular ones um, these holy beings that surround the father's throne are made of flame and fire yes yes which is very a very unique description of you know what you're created of because we this isn't the only time we see this yeah exactly yeah yeah we, we get this repeated multiple times. Yeah. All right. We're in Enoch 17, verse 1 here. Sean, you want to read this one? Sure, brother. So Enoch 17, 1. Uh, let me screen share for everybody. To, here we go. And they took and brought me to a place in which those angels who are with, who were there were like flaming fire. And when they wished, they appeared as men. So this is a wonderful spot here in Enoch. He's actually been seeing these visions of, you know, the, the firmaments above the heaven above. And uh, he sees he's been taken to a place where he gets to see all these angels described as flaming fire. And we're told how they can not just in chapter 17, but also in chapter 19 of the book of Enoch of how they can assume different forms and appear as men, which can, you know, we see that, right? We see that 
um, we see angels show up seemingly with uh, with wings. And what is it? Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 6, verse 2, right? And then we see yep. just in Genesis 18, um, we see just men, angels showing up looking just like men. Yeah, exactly. And this is why I, well, I mean, I love the book of Enoch for many reasons, but one of the reasons is just we get to see these descriptions and details of our angelic spiritual brethren that um, you don't really get to see in, you know, what we call the canonized 66 books, right? And so this gives us just a flat out detail that these particular angels, which are called the holy ones, who are kind of encompassed around Yahweh's throne, um, you know, they can appear as flames of fire and they can also apparently douse that fire and, and put on the um, appearance of flesh and it can trick people. Paul even says in Hebrew or the writer of Hebrews says that you never know you could be entertaining angels and not even know about it. And so this is one of the reasons actually I love the, uh, the book of Tobit, Sean, is that the angel Raphael, who is one of these angels who has this particular characteristic where he can don flesh and appear as a man. Um, this character Tobit had no clue. He had no idea until the very end when the angel revealed himself as to, you know, who he was. So it's, yeah, it, and we see, we do see this in the scriptures. We see them coming as men, right? With Abraham and, and various other places. But um, we could make up weird doctrines, Sean, if we don't have these, these descriptions that these particular angels can do this, right? We start to think, well, is this a theophany? Is this is this a, a pre-incarnate Yeshua showing up? Is this the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit and these bot? Like, what is this thing, right? Well, and we've actually talked about some of the, the the language that goes into those stories as well, how it says, and Yahweh appeared to them. And so people will start to say, oh, it's Yahweh. But then, you know, more, more well-read people will then realize, oh, wait, it says that we can't see the Father, right? So this must be a pre-incarnate Yeshua coming in the name, in, in his Father's name of Yahweh. And then you've got even other theories that I've heard where people claim, oh, well, Yahweh is a name for both the Father and the Son. And that's why this is also Yahweh. It's just Yahweh Jr., and he's showing up, but it's a pre-incarnate Christophany. It's a pre-incarnate Yeshua that's showing up. Whereas actually, Book of Jubilees and other places just tell us these are just regular angels. These, this is the point why they're called ministers. They, they're they're sent with tasks to go do things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they come into the authority of Yahweh. Therefore, it is Yahweh speaking through these people. They're just the mouthpiece. They're the, the ambassadors, the agents of His message. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the, their unique characteristics that they've possessed since they were created. I mean, that's why the Father created them, right? That's right. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love it. And we see a physical representation of that in the law, and also in our in our reality, um, on on the you know the, the plane of the earth with the priesthood and the prophets. That whole point of them was they were to be the messengers, the mouthpieces of the Father's message. So therefore, when the word of the Lord came to David, but it's Nathan speaking. You know yeah yeah exactly exactly so really cool all right well you want to go to the next one i'll pull this up here you want to read it sean sure man so this will be out of the apocalypse of abraham it's chapter 15 verse 5 through 7 and i saw in the air on the heights to which we ascended a strong light impossible to describe and within the light a fiercely burning fire of people many people of male appearance all constantly changing in aspect and form, running and being transformed and worshiping and crying with the sound of words that I could not recognize. Man. Yeah. John, I love this. I mean, once again, yeah. we get these descriptions and 
just for the viewers understanding here where it says and, and i saw in the air on the heights to which we ascended this is abraham and he's been taken up with this particular angel his name is jal l or joel and um who was actually a really fascinating angel in and of itself but uh so he's taken up to the the seventh firmament this particular book tells us in great detail that there are seven different firmaments um and he goes to the very top and we see that these angels here that are uh, um like a light of fiercely burning fire that are people and male in appearance they're situated around the father's throne which we know is as the most high he sits on the most high expanse the firmament right yeah and this is this lines up also with what we read from the book of enoch that the, the angels are male also the book of jubilees tells us that not only were the angels male but chapter 2 and chapter 27 of the book of jubilees tells us that angels were so much male <laughs> that they were circumcised at their creation on day one when they were made on day one so like so the point is the reason i'm saying that ken is that these these guys these are guys they're males there's no female angels well i think what's fascinating is if you actually google angels the majority of the pictures that pop up are female angels yeah yeah that is very bizarre and to me right. it's just par for the course with the indoctrination of the world always doing opposite of what the father tells us in his word you know and that's and that there are no female angels so and i think this is at least the ones that were created on day one i know that at the resurrection we're promised to be made like the angels and and having the same ability actually i think we're going to read about that later right in the in baruch chapter right. 51 but even still at rid the original creation of angels were all all males and uh yeah, yeah both, the, you know sorry sean i was just gonna say the implication is not that when we experience the resurrection if you're a female watching this you're not like somehow transformed into a male or something it's as sean said it's we're like the angels and yeshua actually talks about that as well we'll be made like the angels who another marry or given in marriage it's just referring to like we're going to be eternal spiritual beings yeah. right so you'll you'll still be who you are so don't don't worry about that yeah. um for you females watching this <laughs> No, you've got plenty of prophecies in Isaiah where it talks about the, the sons and the daughters that are participating in the resurrection. So you're still going to be resurrected as a woman and you'll just be perfected. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And you'll have some, you'll be a unique, sorry, I was just going to say you'll be unique because this will be the first type of spiritual entity that's of female, right? Yeah. As far as I can see in all the scriptures, um, at the resurrection, that'll be the first moment a female will be in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, it's wild. So that's a wild day. You're gonna have a lot of dudes looking at you like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> but because we're gonna have the law circumcised yeah. on our hearts. That's right. It's um, it's gonna be fine. Everybody's gonna be cool and chill about it. Everyone will follow the law. Women are utmost respected in God's law, yeah. and uh, and I just think it's fascinating because you know this is a unique concept where you're gonna have a lot of brothers yeah <laughs> you know exactly I think it's all right buddy i'll throw the screen share back on there all right you can take this one okay so this is first baruch 51 is this supposed to be second baruch right sean i think yeah i think yeah. there's a typo that's okay um yeah so the second baruch Chapter 51 says, For there shall be spread before them the extensive paradise, and there shall be shown to them the beauty of the majesty of the living creatures, which are beneath the throne, and all the armies of the angels, who are now held fast by my word, lest they should appear, 
and are held fast by a command that they may stand in their places till their advent comes. So just as I was saying earlier, Sean, it's they're being held fast by a command, right? But they're 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 wanting to to you know enact the judgment that has been ordained from the beginning of creation, and uh, obviously they're they're waiting for Yahweh's word and that that trumpet sound, right? That's right. And just real quick for the viewer, if they if they're unfamiliar with the word advent, this is where we say you know the first advent of Christ and the second advent, just the appearing of. Right? right. So this is this this is the moment when they would actually appear in our reality as they come down with Yeshua on the day of the Lord. And I think you're exactly right with what you're saying, Kim, because Enoch tells us that these angels, um, all the angels that were created in heaven, you know, that they were um, that they were, you know, they were not given wives. They were created to be um, eternally servants to the father. But yet they were still created as a male, which is, you know, which is fine. Um, but they always were created to hold fast to his word, to follow his commands and not to transgress those commands. And that is actually where some of the drama comes in, in Genesis and also the book of Enoch, you know, um, is we, we read about some of these angels that did transgress their instructions, right? you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, brother. And I just, I mean, I just love this, this uh, verse here because it tells us that, um, spread before them, the them is those who are going to experience this resurrection, which is the the whole context of, I believe it's chapter 49 through 51, where it talks about essentially the day of the Lord and the first resurrection when we, you know, get resurrected out of Sheol and become immortals. And it describes kind of what we're going to experience with our bodies. And before us, there's going to be the extents of paradise, you know, God's yeah. kingdom come down. And I like how it says that they're going to be shown to them the beauty of the majesty of the living creatures which are beneath the throne all right we know yeah. that there's cherubs and, and these these seraphims and these different living creatures that kind of prop up yahweh's throne essentially right on that seventh firmament so we're going to get to see these creatures which are really interesting individuals in and of themselves right yeah was is it ezekiel chapter one we get to see about the living creatures yeah and chapter 10 yeah yeah. And what this sounds like to me, Ken, you know, if I could play, doesn't this sound like you're just getting a tour? Like you're, it's your first day there at work and you're being toured around the facility. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And you're getting a tour of all the kingdom of heaven and what it's always been above yeah. us in the firmament, you know, and uh, since creation. And we're just finally getting to see it because of what Yeshua did for us to make it happen. Yeah. Know? Exactly. And, um, it's just an amazing thing that we just, I just, I don't know. I just laugh because just like we read, you know, uh, all these visions that like Isaiah, Ezekiel, um, Baruch, um, Apocalypse, Abraham, Moses, you know, they're all being shown these by angels and essentially they're getting a tour through the vision by an angel, you know, just yeah. like with book of revelation, you know, and, uh, and it just, I don't know. It just kind of makes me smile. You know, it's like a tour guy, angel walking around, Pointing and talking, and you know we're all in a group behind, just oohing and on, just all <laughs> amazed at the beauty of the place that we're looking at and the house of God, and which apparently Enoch describes the the actual interior, most most uh, intimate house that the Father's throne room is in is like the floors are fire, the walls are fire, like it's just this most amazing place of crystalline structure that just looks like it's on fire all the time, you know? Yeah, what just, an amazing. Uh, yeah, just amazing, Sean. I love it. I don't know how you can't get excited about that stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's in chapter 14. And we'll yeah. get all those descriptions. Yeah, um, the Apocalypse of Abraham actually provides us with an interesting angle as well with these, in respect to these uh, living creatures. Do you remember that, Sean? Where, um, yeah. 
Yeah, they'll have to like well, have to distract them lest they fight each other because they're so zealous for the Lord. Yeah, they have utter zeal and and jealousy for for being these essentially these guards that are propping up this like sapphire throne that's above them, and it's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah, very cool. All right, brother, I'll throw the screen share back on there. It reminds me of depictions of old of like the king's throne and the two big lions that are at the base yeah. of his throne. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. Okay, go for it, buddy. All right, so here we are. We're going to be in Enoch chapter uh, 102, verses 1 through 3. And it just says, In those days, when he has brought forth a grievous fire upon you, whither will ye flee, and where will ye find deliverance? And when he launches forth his word against you, will you not be affrighted in fear? And all the luminaries shall be affrighted with great fear, and all the earth shall be affrighted and tremble and be alarmed. And all the angels shall execute their commands and shall seek to hide themselves from the presence of the great glory. And the children of the earth shall tremble and quake. And ye sinners shall be cursed forever and ye shall have no peace. Yes, we're getting kind of a, uh, I guess, a negative perspective for those who um, embody the terrible part of the great and terrible day of the Lord here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this is just, you know, talking about how everyone's reacting basically at this moment at the last trumpets um, where the whole creation shakes. Right. And this is something that I, I think is fascinating because it reminds me of that 30 minutes of silence in heaven, right. In revelation. Right. Yeah. Because it's about to happen and they're, and they've been waiting for this for thousands of years and this is the actual moment. And so I imagine they're a little anxious. <laughs> I know, right? Just, uh, it's like, are we finally here? Oh my goodness, we are. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I'm going to highlight here, Sean, just where it says, and all the angels shall execute their commands. So that's kind of just going in par with what we're talking about tonight, that they're going to, they're going to do that. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the whole point. You know, these are, I think many times people forget that they're, they're literally as servants, you know, which is kind of what we are resurrected to become as well. But yet we're part of a royal priesthood actually, kind of given more authority than even the angels. Um, but we're still servants to the Lord, right? Because that's kind of the whole idea of him being our authority and us walking in his in his ways, you know, is that if he needs us to do something, we'll do it. Well, he needs these people to do things because it's a big creation and many of them are put in, in charge of different facets of the creation. And um, I think it's just wild that people struggle so much with that idea that God would create servants to do things for him that are pleased to do those things. And this is the angels are pleased to do that. You know, they find great joy in it. Um, yeah. Was it, was it the verse that Jesus says, you know, that, that how the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. I can't That's remember right. the, yeah. I can't remember the, the address for that verse, but you know, the, these people, these angels have emotions. They're real. <laughs> They're very real. You know, they eat food. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I just think it's fascinating that in our modern many times in our modern church we have people that struggle so badly when they look in places like enoch and it talks about how uh, certain angels are set over certain uh, responsibilities of mankind and they think whoa see yeshua is supposed to be doing all that stuff what are you talking about and i'm like actually yeshua was given was prophesied to become a priest and he was given a role as a priest upon his resurrection and that's how he's over mankind is yeah. that he's a priest, a set apart eternal priest for mankind. But as far as the other daily duties of taking care of the creation and mankind interacting with it, the father has long since already given those jobs to other, other angelic entities. 
Yeah, absolutely, brother. I agree with that. And, um, you know, you're talking about some of just like the personality traits that these characters possess about them rejoicing over, you know, a sinner who repents, right? Um, some of these books, like I think it's an Enoch, uh, anytime there's an angel that's dragging along a person, showing them something, right? They almost seem robotic in a way. And I think we, we discussed that on one of our other episodes on Honor of Kings over on Sean's channel, Kingdom in Context. And it's just, it's odd. Some of these responses that these angels have to the questions of those that they're bringing along, because it's like, they're like, why are you asking us this? Yeah. You know, yeah. as if we should already know this stuff about, you know, whatever, you know, the, the tree of life, you're like, why are you asking me about what this is and how, like, when are we going to eat it or whatever it is? Like these, these angels are ready. They're just so holy and so righteous. Right. It's just like, I think they almost may forget that we're, where we don't have all the knowledge yet that they have. We don't, you know what I mean? So it's funny how that kind of gets displayed in some of their, their personality traits with, you know, <laughs> in some of these yeah, books. Yeah, because they're being, being in oneness of heart and unity of, of God's ways, right? Being, having their heart, you know, in, in a sense of dedication to him. Um, they're just focused, right? Super, Absolutely. Super focused. And then you got Enoch running around being super distracted by everything he's seen. And he's asking about this and that. And the angel's like, why are you asking? And Enoch's like, I want to know about everything. You yeah. know, I can't remember the exact verse that I think that's in chapter, what, 18 or 19. But yeah, he, uh, Enoch seems to be a very curious guy. You know, yeah, he's so, like, I desire to know about all things, but particularly about this tree. What is this tree? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually in chapter 24. But uh, you're right. He gets to see the tree of life. And um, man, that was a fun episode we did on that one. That really was. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, basically these angels, it's almost like, you, you know, you're it's, this is their place, right? This is their dwelling area, their their reality, their world. Um, and, you know, showing mankind a vision, taking them on a tour. It's kind of like old hat to them. Yeah. And they're they're trying to take them to show them something specific specific excuse me, but the uh, but the human that's in this vision seeing it he's seeing these other things and he's trying to distract them by asking ancillary questions and stuff and it's just fun yeah. it's funny to see that yeah it totally is brother and it's just I think because of what how we're trained and taught growing up in in certain religious environments um, we forget that these angels are in their own environment and there's you know what i mean there's there's much more than just this circular plane of our earth right like right. it's not like they're just sitting around doing absolutely nothing there's there's different land masses and there's different firmaments that contain different things and different spirits and angels that are in them and they have their own areas to do their own things too right so That's right <laughs> it's amazing yeah so how can how can the father say that he gave us manna right in the wilderness the children of israel ate manna that he said was the food of angels and was from heaven. And then we see in there, you know, they have this glorified body that is made of fire, but they can also look like men, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's just some of the angels anyway. But then we have Jesus talking about at the resurrection, we'll be born of water and spirit. And he also can just like disappear at will and change his form into, into nothingness and move like the wind and then reappear and, but at the same time, he can also eat real fish with the disciples, you yeah. know, in, in John chapter 19 and 20. I just think it's fascinating that, um, you know, this this concept of it's not it's not like we don't become a ghost, you know, and, and the, the quote unquote spiritual world is not a is not a wispy ghost world. Like it's a tangible, uh, a tangible thing. And I think that's a huge uh, misunderstanding about the literal definition 
of the concept of what a spirit being actually is. Yeah. It's not a shade, which is what an unclean spirit is being a bodiless soul, right? Yeah. That's a totally different context that's been described in scripture for us. Yeah, they're incorporeal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, these angelic beings have a body. They're very much more complex and glorified than, than the ones that we have made of soil. And yeah. so, yeah. Sean, you bring up uh, the whole manna thing. In 2 Ezra 119, it says, I pitied your groanings and gave you manna for food. You ate the bread of angels. So the Israelites, in those 40 years in the wilderness, they, they were eating angels' food, right. which implies, in my opinion, that angels do eat, right? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. So, and yeah, absolutely. they're real. They're, they're just as real as you and I. And we know that they yeah. did when they showed up to Abraham, right? When he, he got Sarah yeah. to cook up a, a quick meal for them, right? They, they eat, which that's amazing. It is amazing. And I'll be honest with you. I know that I know that you're talking quick and, and you just use the phrase they, you know, Abraham made up a quick meal for them. But if you really think about what they were served, I don't think it, it was a quick preparation for that meal. I think it took anywhere from three to six hours to prepare that meal, which means those angels are just chilling. Just, just sitting around doing what? Yeah. Talking with Abraham, right? To the exactly. point where they're even hearing conversations later after the mill or during the mill, you know, and hearing Sarah laugh about being told she's going to be pregnant with Isaac. I, you know, I just, it's fascinating that people just seem to forget this stuff because they were being fed literal meat and then also milk. And they, and it just didn't, they didn't pick up the cup and the milk fall right to the ground and, you know, <laughs> mess up the tent, right? No, they, yeah. they, their bodies processed it. I don't know what happens later, but the, that's not the point. Uh, the idea is that they could actually ingest food like normal people. Like these are, you know, the angelic bowel real. movements turn into clouds. John, is that where is that where rain comes from? Yes, could be, could be. Could you imagine? Wow. <laughs> Think about though what you mentioned about the manna being fed to the Israelites in the desert. Just from a perspective of everything, you know, we remember Ken that we we always keep in context the scriptures of the biblical creation model. Right. Yeah. So we get the plane of the earth. We got the, the firmament that's over us and the multiple layers of firmament above that, where we have the sun, moon and stars and the waters above and the, the angelic heavens and where these angels exist and where the throne of God is. But under where we are. So in this moment, during the during the days of the children of Israel being in the wilderness, they were without food. And so just in that specific geographical area. Right. Because there's clearly around the rest of the world that we live in, in the, in the plane of the earth, there's food being grown during the days of the, of the Exodus, of the children of Israel, that 38 to 40 years. But specifically for that people in that geography, at that specific moment in time, they didn't have enough food. So the father's like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm up here, you're down there. I have an entire world up here of rivers and trees and water and gardens and cattle on a thousand hills and mountains and food source up here for these millions and millions, who knows if it's billions of angels that are up here that already have a constant food source of supply that we, you know, we, we live life up here. So therefore we have food up here and I'm just going to drop some down for you yeah. at will. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just think about that. Like you're never without the creator. Like he has more provisions than you can ever possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, brother. And, and because as we had mentioned earlier, we get made like the angels at the resurrection and second Baruch 29, eight, it says, and it shall come to pass. And this is referring to the day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that at that self same time that the treasury of manna shall again descend from on high and they will eat of it in those years because these are they who have come to the consummation of the times. It's right there. We're, 
were going to be partaking in the same type of manna that the Israelites were eating during those 40 years that came from heaven. Yeah. That's amazing. To me. Pretty wild. It reminds me, Sean, I know we've been kind of going off track here a little bit, but uh, it reminds me of the Lord of the Rings, that, that lemmas, you know, that, 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 um, was it that elf, elf loaf or bread? You know what I'm talking about? The, the unleavened bread that Sam Wisegan carried around the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that Smeagol was mad because he ate too much of it. Yeah. 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 All right, brother. I'll, I'll screen share here. We'll, we'll continue on. All right. We're in uh, Enoch 47 now. And it says, in those days, the holy ones who dwell above in the heavens shall unite with one voice and supplicate and pray and praise and give thanks and bless the name of the Lord of spirits on behalf of the blood of the righteous, which has been shed and the prayer of the righteous may not be in vain before the Lord of spirits, that judgment may be done unto them and that they may not have to suffer forever. So yeah. they're going to, this, this is them praising, right? This is the day when they're, you know, glad that they can actually do what they've been dying to do for thousands of years. Yeah. It's amazing. And their hearts are filled with joy, which I think is fascinating. But, um, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm on, I'm on a little bit different part. I'm just a little bit further down. Um, cause you read one and two, but there's also three and four. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. You want to just free that off, buddy? Sure. So in those days, I saw the head of days when he seated himself upon the throne of his glory and the books of the living were opened before him and all his hosts, which is in heaven above and his counselors stood before him and the hearts of the holy were filled with joy because the number of the righteous had been offered and the prayer of the righteous had been heard and the blood of the righteous been required before the Lord of spirits. There's a lot here, right? Yeah, there's a lot going on here. And I, and as you were talking about from verses one and two, um, it's, it's interesting to hear that all the holy ones together tried to supplicate and pray on behalf of the blood of the righteous. And this is kind of a concept that I don't think a lot of believers have ever really, I don't think a lot of people talk about not even just regular believers, but people that try to be teachers of other believers, right? You know, teachers and pastors, no one really ever talks about this idea that the angels themselves are tasked with duties very similar to a priest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and because they're supposed to care for mankind. And we see this back in Enoch, right? Where father Abba's chastising the rebellious angels um, because they are having Enoch go try and supplicate for them and their transgressions. And he's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be, praying for men men yeah. is not supposed to be praying for you you know and so they like they had it backwards because they were so unrighteous and and enoch was righteous you know yeah exactly exactly brother and i think is it enoch 10 sean where there's so much blood being spilt and corruption in the earth and the angels are essentially like going before yahweh and being like are you are you seeing what's going on down there yeah that's right we yeah can we do something about this <laughs> yeah they, they want to get involved and the father's like oh, i got something coming yeah. Just wait. <laughs> so he, you know, he, he sees the flood up ahead and the angels don't know about it yet. So, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's just amazing. Um, also, something real quick in verse three and four that I wanted to try to address was this idea that not just that they're filled with joy because they're up there, but um, and not even the fact that they're his counselors. And that's a whole nother concept of how the father creates his own accountability um, through his Torah. That's that's we're reading. We're seeing a Torah principle here. But also just the, the concept of the number of the righteous have been offered. And, and this isn't this is not I don't want to go too far down this rabbit trail because it's not the point of the show tonight. But at some point we should revisit this again, because to me, this is a, a huge part of the day of the Lord. 
is because, and this is where a lot of people would like with Calvinism and things like this, they get way, way off with how Paul talks about being predestined. Yes, I agree. And this concept here about the number the righteous had been offered, this is exactly the parallel to Revelation 6, verses 7 through 11, about the number of saints that must be killed, you know, and because there is a specific number of believers that the Father foreknew that was, you know, that were going to to partake in the resurrection throughout time. That's right. And, uh, and they're just waiting for this number to be fulfilled. And that's what we're looking at here. And once this number is fulfilled, day Lord kicks off and the angels get to do what they've been waiting to do. Yeah, brother. It's, it's just, it's incredible. And that number from what I can, what I understand as uh, is written in Enoch, I think it talks about how that number corresponds with the amount of the stars as well as the angels that were created. That's right. It's almost like, you know, Yahweh has the specific number that he's waiting for yeah. that matches the, the the luminaries and and the holy ones that are around his throne, which is just wild. Which is wild, yeah, because we can't count them, but the Father can. Yeah. <laughs> so he knows There's a lot of human beings. Yeah. We want. yeah. Yeah, very cool. Anything else? Amazing. No, I think we I mean we should probably move on from that. But yeah, you're right. That's this we could pick apart that those few verses for like an hour yeah yeah okay so we're in habakkuk 316 it says when i heard my belly trembled my lips quivered at the voice rottenness entered into my bones and i trembled in myself that i might rest in the day of trouble when he cometh up unto the people he will invade them with his troops yeah and this gives us some very direct wording we're we're no longer speaking about ministers or servants but now we're just talking military terms that we are sean and i know we're, we're going to get to it but it sheds a lot more light on the uh you know the joel two army and who that really is yeah absolutely yeah, yeah and just for a little context here for the viewer this is this is habakkuk the prophet here he's seeing in the spirit essentially what's de- taking place on the day of the lord and it's it's making his spirit um experienced this stuff right his lips are quivering at the voice of what's going on and he felt rottenness entering into his bones and it's just it's terrible because it will be as it says the day of trouble which is just another synonym for the day of the lord it's going to be terrible for those who are not in covenant and not looking for the promise of you know the resurrection and the inheritance into the coming kingdom of god so it's going to be a very very terrible day indeed especially when you got these troops coming at you yeah well, this is where I think Jesus was talking about men's hearts failing for fear of what they're seeing coming up on the earth. Yeah. And they're seeing myriads upon myriads of angels ready for battle coming down from the sky. You know, <laughs> like we've talked about in our, our episode, episode two, the road to rescue, where we talk about the heavens will be shaken on the return of the Lord and that, you know, they see the literal firmament open up and the father coming through, right? The, the brightness of his coming moment, right? And that they're going to realize they're in a big room this whole time, according to the biblical creation description. And all the indoctrination that the enemy has sold them that's been perpetuated over, you know, several millennia now, and then crescendoed with all the deception of the beast and and the kings of the earth at that time, the average person, all that indoctrination and that brainwashing of lies are going to be shed away in in literally moments. And the mind trying to just catch up with what you're seeing and the truth of what you're seeing. Yeah. It's going to be very challenging for a lot of people to deal with that. It's, it's, you know, yeah, brother, you had, sorry, I just wanted to throw something in here real quick. You had mentioned how 
on the day of the Lord when Yahweh comes and like he's going to be like insanely bright, right? And Sirach, which is another really interesting extra biblical book, which eventually I, I think we'll tackle on Honor of Kings one of these days, um, talks about in chapter 23, verse 18 and 19, it says, a man who breaks his marriage vows says to himself, who sees me? Darkness surrounds me and the walls hide me and no one sees me. Why should I fear? The most high will not take notice of my sins. His fear is confined to the eyes of men. and He does not realize that the eyes of the Lord are 10,000 times brighter than the sun. They look upon all the ways of men and perceive even the hidden places. So, Sean, I don't know if this is like a literal description that Sirach somehow got a hold of referring to Yahweh's eyes being 10,000 times brighter than the sun. But it would make sense as to why we cannot be in his presence. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And if it, even if his Sirach is just using that as a hyper, hyperbolic analogy to the idea that the sun illuminates things to be seen, but even it has its limits. So therefore, if it was brighter light, you could see more. Yeah. Hence the idea of seeing your secret sins. But they could literally be ten thousand times brighter. You know, I don't. Either way, it would work. You know, but um, I, I do under if it's metaphor, I do understand what Sirach is going for. And for the viewer, by the way, um, if you're right now looking for the Book of Sirach, that's just the Book of Ecclesiasticus. Is also another name for it. Yeah, not not to be. Um... Yeah. Not to be confused with Ecclesiastes. I was just going to say that because a lot of people will say, I've never, I've never read that in Ecclesiastes. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. It's like yeah. that Ecclesiastes. <laughs> yeah, it used to be in your Bibles. It's a, it's a book that has two names. It's either Sirach or it's called Ecclesiasticus. And it used to be in your Bible uh, about 140 years ago. Yeah. But it's not anymore. And um, Your great, yeah, your great, great grandfathers. Great, great grandfathers. Yeah. Yeah, your great great grandfathers during the the guys during the Civil War, the Bible they were reading on the battlefield had Sirach in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, buddy. So what are we in Enoch one one hundred now? We're in Enoch one hundred. Yep. All right. It says, "In those days, the angels shall descend into the secret places and gather together into one place all those brought all those who brought down sin." And the Most High will arise on that day of the judgment to execute great judgment amongst sinners. Now, do we think this is talking about the rebellious angels mentioned in Enoch, the beginning of Enoch? No, I don't. I don't believe so. That the angels that shall descend in the secret places to gather into one place all those who brought down sin. Is it just talking about um, sinners among men? Um. Yeah, that's, those who that's brought down that's how i understood this is just referring to them coming down like as part of the day of the lord coming down and then gathering those is that how you see that or is that yeah you know i totally agree that the the very first uh beginning of the passage those days the angels shall descend i understand they're coming down with yeshua at the day of the lord yep. but i'm talking about those whom they uh they gathered together in one place all those who brought down sin you think that's just a wording issue or is, or is it talking about the angels who transgressed okay. and taught mankind um sin sinful ways i i 